Welcome to In Season, where we explore the farms, gardens, and wild spaces of the Lower Columbia Pacific region. I am one of your hosts, Teresa Retzloff. And I'm Jessica Schleich, joining Teresa out here on the farm today. Yeah, we're sitting here on, our, on my farm, 46 North, um, in Olney, just outside of Astoria, and it is a beautiful, hot, 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 sunny hot August day. Whew, it's going to be a scorcher today. Beautiful sunrise. It was gorgeous, and but you can feel the heat in the air. The breeze is warm, which is always weird for out here. Mm -hmm. I feel like a warm breeze makes me feel nervous. I mean, it's lovely, but it's... It is, but um, it, it, it's a little it, creepy. If you're a, a, a farmer, if yeah. you're a gardener, you're thinking about your, your plants and the watering. Yeah, definitely thinking about irrigation. I know uh, Jessica and I were both up early this morning watering things in containers, you know, can we watering our plant starts, watering and, you know, running irrigation, trying to get those things watered early, because you were talking about how important it is to water things early in the day or late in the evening it, because they absorb the water better. Yeah, you, you have less evaporation mm -hmm. um, and, and it's better for the plants. Uh, yeah. I think watering midday, especially if you're getting um, water on the foliage, watering midday can be really Terrible. Terrible for a plant material. Yeah, um, you can burn the leaves. The leaves can get burnt. It's almost like the um, the water on the leaves can act like a magnifying yep. glass and just yep. um, intensify the sunlight. Yeah. So it's this just, time of year, yeah. where, um, it is kind of nice to be watering when you're not freezing yes. in the morning. That's true. It that is a lovely. It feels nice. Yep. And as long as you're... Um, as long as you're watering, it's really amazing to see how much growth plants can put on with this type of heat if your soil is correct, if your watering is happening. It's um, really true. There, I mean, this time of year, there's such a push for, for like growth. Things are flowering like mad. They're setting fruit like mad. Things are just like going, 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 going. It's this energy that happens in kind of late summer heading towards fall where everything's just desperately trying to reproduce itself. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which is beautiful and, and wonderful to experience. Um, one of the things I'm seeing it so much in are the, the flowers here on our farm. Oh, there is I mean, such an abundance It's crazy right how, how much things are blooming, but that's also a, a stressful thing in this heat because it can really make flowers blow out. Yeah. And I'm just, oh, I think our sweet peas are done. I uh, see, I keep wondering about this. I have been deadheading frantically. Yeah, and I, you know, I missed a week. I was busy with other things. I missed a week. Everything went to seed. I put my sprinklers on in the spots where I have the sweet so peas, and then I just sit there, and I, and I deadhead, Ugh. deadhead, deadhead, make bouquets, make bouquets. And that's but why, yeah. I'm going to have a much greater disappointment when they blow out this weekend, probably. Yeah, it's, they just don't like this heat. So it's kind of knowing. I mean, and that's also a thing that, that I think as, as gardeners and farmers, we have to accept that plants just have certain life cycles and yeah. they have certain tolerances for heat and cold. And there's some times when this just is not the time for that plant and you have to say goodbye. And knowing when to say goodbye is really hard. Yeah. But sometimes you just got to say, okay, you're done. Bye-bye. Well, what are some of the indicators <laughs> that, that would say to you, I'm blown out and I need to just go well, into the compost pile? I think when, when plants are like really going to seed, you know, when like like two, like three quarters of the plant has, has bloomed out and gone to seed, um, when it's looking tired and stressed, sometimes you can you can deadhead and the plant will rebloom or regrow. But um, sometimes it's just gone too far and yeah. it doesn't matter how much you cut off it. it you might get a little bit of regrowth and rebloom 
but it's not going to be enough to really make it worth it. And sometimes it's better to just pull that whole plant out, compost it, and yeah. um, put something new in. Yeah. You know, because things that we're planting now can carry us into fall, you know, early till the, the first hard frost. Yeah. And that's a beautiful time well, of year. What would we be planting now? Well, I mean, cooler, cooler, hardier plants. Um, if you're if you're thinking about flowers, it would be you know like calendulas are great, violas and pansies, um, mums. A lot of people there's mums in the stores right mm -hmm. now that'll do great through fall. Um, I love to plant things like syrinthi and stuff like that because it's a very cold hardy plant and will often and start blooming and yeah. will be blooming in December, January. So yeah. it's those are great plants um, for flowers. It's a great time to start planting fall vegetable crops too, like kale, uh, broccoli, you know, maybe cabbages, things yeah. like that. You need to look at your sort of days to maturity because frost can hit October, November. Technically our last, our first frost date is like mid-November is supposed to be when we get our killing frost. But last year, we had a really bad frost here on the farm in early October. I mean, such that it basically killed my dahlias. And I did not really get a good cutting after that. And yeah. I've usually been harvesting dahlias into November. Right. So you just kind of have to be aware of it. And it's, I think it's that, it's also a good lesson in being ready to let go. I've learned where I'm not counting on things or just knowing that, okay, it'd be so great if those could bloom for another month, uh -huh. but oh, maybe not, you know, yeah. oh, you're, it's time, yeah. you know, so it's, and, and I feel like the weather's just so unpredictable that, I mean, I don't know, maybe we won't get our first frost until December, or maybe we'll get it next week. I just don't even know. Lessons in life. <laughs> in the garden. <laughs> Absolutely, you know, and in some ways, like, like pandemic year, you know, it's also like, whoa, I can't control, you know, I, I don't feel like I can control much of anything. And I, I think sometimes that's, uh, um, you know, if you're growing things for production or you're growing mm -hmm. things for other people or you're getting ready for a garden tour, that's when I've experienced this sort of like holding of like, but I want you to wait to bloom and I want you to keep blooming, yeah. you know, because the other people are going to come into the garden and I feel this pressure. Yeah. But for most home gardeners, it's they're fine. not feeling that pre that sort of pressure to have their dahlias keep going. Or, no, it's um, just delightful when they do. Yes. Oh, definitely. It's bonus. And, and one thing I should mention, Teresa's not saying that the dahlias are dead forever. They've just oh. died back to their tubers, which are in the mm -hmm. ground. Yeah, dahlias are, um, it, it is a tuber. Um, I guess you call them herbaceous because they die back to the ground. Yeah. You can dig them up or you can leave them in the ground. Um, yeah. And they usually overwinter pretty well here as long as your spot isn't too wet in the wintertime. Now, do you dig your... We dig our dahlias every year. I I've, I've didn't used to, um, as we've grown more and more dahlias, I've started to, um, partly because you get a much healthier plant if you've divided them and you're starting with just really healthy tubers. What, what happens is um, they, they multiply uh, in the ground over the year. And so you get this very dense clump of lots of tubers all kind of stuck together. Mm -hmm. And if you don't dig it up and divide it, that'll just keep happening, keep happening, keep happening. And the, the tubers get smaller and smaller because they're so densely packed in together. And so oftentimes the growth at the top can be more stressed or you don't get as many big, beautiful flowers. Sure. And so we've been doing that. It's pretty labor intensive. I mean, for how many dahlias we have, which I don't even want to calculate how many we have right now. I've got five 60 foot rows. Wow. I don't remember how many dahlias are in each row. It's a lot. Of, let's just say it's a lot of dahlias. 
Um, but it's worth it because the plants then are, you can cut out any bits that have rotted. Um, you do need to store them someplace that's um, cool, but not, not frost, like not gonna freeze and out of sunlight. Um, you want them to, uh, oftentimes people pack them in uh, peat moss or sawdust or something like that. You need to wash the dirt off them. There's, the dahlias are like a whole thing. And I feel like last year we I finally got it. I mean, yeah. it's been years that I've been yeah. digging and dividing my dahlias and I feel like last year we finally got it because the crop we've had this year has been amazing. And um, the quality of them is so beautiful. Now, I know that uh, this year you also did something different with the with the pinching back with the dahlias. Yes, that was a thing. That's a, and that's a really hard thing I've been trying to learn as a flower grower. I know we keep mentioning this. I know we keep talking about pinching back and cutting back, but I think Teresa and I both made some discoveries this year of really, how, how great it can be. It really is. Yeah, you really have to kind of steel yourself to do it. But for a lot of flowers that that. Um, that have like a branching habit, meaning you don't just get a single stem, mm -hmm. you get multiple stems on the plant. What'll happen a lot of times is, is it starts to grow, it'll be sending up a big central stalk and that's often a pretty fat, thick stalk. And when it gets, I mean, it depends on the plant, but you know, like maybe a foot to two feet tall, depending on the plant, um, you wanna cut it back, pinch it back, um, not all the way to the ground, right. but you wanna leave like maybe two, growing nodes mm -hmm. um but so you're pinching back or cutting back mm -hmm. to the top growth yeah. yeah so um so you're not just getting one big main stalk that you then cut off branches yeah so and... it encourages it to branch and with dahlias what you end up is getting lots of multiple multiple stems not lots of multiple stems sorry <laughs> <laughs> grammar so uh, many multiple stems <laughs> um, but you get many stems uh so you get m much more f more flowers than that one central stalk. And what happens a lot of times is that central stalk is usually really thick. And dahlia stems are, are hollow, as you know. So even if you're trying to use that as a cut flower, it's really hard for the flower to pull water up that big, thick, hollow sure. stem. So with that first flower that you're trying so precious to save, it's, it's not a really good flower anyway. Um, so it's way better to cut it off. And that, that's true for things like um, snapdragons, zinnias, um, the amaranth that I started growing this year. Oh, yeah, it's just so many things. I mean, but if you're growing a, a sunflower, say, that's a single stem sunflower, and it's just gonna produce one flower right. on it, don't pinch that, because yeah. you're just gonna, get, you know, that's that's it. So you have to know the plant. Yeah, um, and if that's a possibility. And if that's a possibility, and, uh, and that just, you know, a little bit of research yeah. will tell you whether that's a good thing to do with this plant. And also, like, what are your goals? You know, if, if you want to have a home cutting garden, if you like to make bouquets and that to is give something to friends. That I would love to, interesting I'd love to kind here. of They're talk about that Very... strategizing for a home cutting garden. Yeah. And, and you know, you are doing it on a, a totally different scale out here. You're, you, and I see that um, quite a bit of focus is going into uh, your professional cutting garden out here so that you can make many bouquets a day. Mm -hmm. um, what are some of the things that, that you thought about when you're developing your, uh, your posse or your collection of, of flowers? Well, um, for, I mean, I, I love flowers so much. And I, I feel like this year, it, it feels a little bit like I'm kind of 
like finally coming out of the closet as a flower farmer because <laughs> I've tried it's like I just I always felt sort of embarrassed about being a flower farmer I don't know why it's so I dumb think but you were the only one that thought you I were know but I just felt like oh if you're a farmer then you're growing vegetables and I and that is you know that's a wonderful wonderful thing and I love growing vegetables but I think but I, I don't get as excited about a head of cabbage as I do about a dahlia I just oh my gosh the, the flowers are so beautiful and so I I've been focusing on it more and more and what I'm learning which I think is true whether you're doing it on you know acres or whether you're doing it in a little tiny garden you know you want to have things that are blooming like in different seasons so that you can keep making bouquets you know for as long as you can how are you doing this are you making a are you making a lot of I have, I have spreadsheets I have spread and I hate spreadsheets but I have spreadsheets yeah and seasonal things, and I look at, so you're looking at plants that bloom. You know, it's really lovely to have early early flowering things. So flowering bulbs, like like daffodils, narcissus, um, those are things that tend to hit like late February, March. So beautiful, mm -hmm. that early hit of flower color. Those are great. Um, you know, going into like May, June, things like peonies, um, columbine, iris, things like that that are, um, beautiful flowers and these, and these are perennials and, or biennials mm -hmm, um, a lot of things like that and then the you know the summer flowers are so crazy um just so many of them oh i mean dahlias are, are like a, a key out here in the pacific northwest because i think they grow so well here but things like you know snapdragons and rudbeckias and um Oh, uh, blanking on uh, zinnias. I've started yeah. growing zinnias this yeah. year. Um, I tend to grow them in a greenhouse just because I get a much longer stem and better quality, but you can grow them outside. Um, Some of the scabiosas. Scabiosas are so beautiful. But... Yeah. So, and th so then it's like, you know, how much work do you want to put into this? I think a nice mix of perennials and annuals is mm -hmm. great mm -hmm. because um, perennials, you, there's just a different care schedule to them. And so you're not having to kind of dig your whole garden up every year and replant it as you do with annuals. Bulbs are so great, bulbs and tubers, because um, things like narcissus, you know, they just multiply over time. And that is the thing. It's a that great I, investment. When I when I've been placing bulb orders in the past, really looking for things that naturalize, and, mm -hmm. and a lot of the things that do naturalize are the less hybridized bulbs. Mm -hmm. um, and and if you look in there, the older the yeah, older some guys, of the heirloom ones, yeah, some of the heirloom beautiful. ones. Oh. I am very partial to some of the dwarf narcissus yeah. and some of the really old ones like the hoop petticoats. And, oh yeah, and that is such a they're gorgeous. an empowering yeah. thing to realize that once your bloom has passed and, and you've done your deadheading and your foliage is dying back. You can move things in the green, and, mm -hmm. and and I've done this with Fritillaria. When you say move things in the green, what do you mean? That I'm, sounds very, I, I, it, it sounds really romantic, move <laughs> things in the green, but what does that mean? It just means that the, you still have green growth on them. So you can dig them up and you move them. You can dig them up then. You know, what, as your, your flower garden picture mm -hmm. is painted for you, you can then lift some of those bulbs, mm -hmm. divide them up, and, and repaint the picture with bulbs in places that you'd like to mm -hmm. see them. And, and for me, a really visual person that's not so great with spreadsheets. I'm not great with them either. <laughs> but I'm learning just because I'm doing so many on such a big scale. Um, that that, 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 um, 
that characteristic of the bulbs of being able to be moved after their flower is done mm -hmm. is so exciting. For it me. really is. You know? It really is. And I think, you know, things like tulips are, are another interesting flower out here. They're a little more challenging. Very deer love them, I'm just going to say. So if you have deer in your garden, just don't even, it's like, yeah. Don't even bother. You're Except spending an off. Some of the species tulips. Some yeah. of the species tulips that also naturalize themselves, like the Turkmenistans and um, uh, other of those not, you know, non-hybridized yeah. tulips. They also really yeah. naturalize. And for some reason, the deer don't seem as keen. Yeah. On that. Those big beautiful but tulips. But don't quote me on. Yeah, that. I know. They'll eat. They'll eat anything as long as it's not poisonous. <laughs> Well, and sometimes even then, yeah. they'll taste I've seen it. them taking nipples of euphorbias lately, yeah. and I'm just like, are you starving? Yeah. What is wrong? <laughs> They're just curious. I don't know. They're out to torment you. But uh, so, bul so bulbs, also, this is something to think about. You know, s late summer, this is an awesome time to be ordering. Yes. Uh, fall planted bulbs. Actually, it's it's ironic as I've, as I've gone deeper into the flower growing world, um, for a lot of flower farmers, the 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 idea is that you're supposed to order your bulbs when the flowers are blooming. So really, I should have been ordering my Narcissus back in March. Right. To get the best selection. This is like a chess game it's or something. Easy. So I'm like, okay, well, in advance. I did not have it together to order them back in March. So I'm ordering them now, but that's cool. I'm but, still getting a good selection. But oftentimes when you are doing mm -hmm. your bulb ordering, um, mm -hmm. earlier is better. They run out of things. They do. And some of the really popular varieties or things that do, the reason they're they're out of stock is because they're the ones that do really well yeah. or that are particularly beautiful. So this is a great time to be thinking about it and placing orders for things that you plant in the fall. And then, you know, and then just start thinking ahead. You know, this is a great time. Go around and look at dahlias growing in your neighborhood, in a friend's garden. You know, I, I know that places like Swan Island dahlias, just the big mm -hmm. dahlia farms. I don't know if um, uh, Old House Dahlias down in Tillamook is doing an open house this year. I know they've done houses before where you can come and wander their their fields yeah. and Swan see. Island's in Canby? I want to say it's in Canby. They're a yeah. huge dahlia yeah. grower in Oregon. And there's something about seeing a flower when it's blooming. Because you look at pictures online and, and you know, I've had this experience where I'm like, oh, that's a really beautiful one. I'm going to order it. And then you, you grow it and you're like, uh, you're you know, like, hey, wait a second. That's not, that's not, that's not as purple as I thought. Or, yeah. yeah, the blue purple is really <laughs> tricky. And, um, and so the color is not quite the same, or maybe the stem is a lot more floppy than you thought it was going to be, yeah. or it, it's like you thought it was going to get much taller, but it actually is really short. And so there's things that seeing it growing in someone's garden That's what garden person, tours can be so exciting for. They really can. Or impromptu walk through your neighborhood garden Absolutely. Tours. Yeah, I think this is a great time as we're all you know, trying to, to practice a little physical distancing, um, but still trying to get outside and walk around. I think you know, walking around your town looking at gardens take some photos and, and you see something mm -hmm. that you think oh my gosh i have to yeah, have that. identify yeah. it later from the photograph absolutely and i think that that's a great way to start to understand what's growing well in our area and then just kind of planning out you know what flowers do you like do you want things that are scented do you want things that you can dry later there's lots mm -hmm. of flowers like you know you were mentioning before we started recording about hydrangeas and they're so beautiful and they grow really well here 
and they're beautiful fresh but but when you dry them yeah. their colors change they're, it's just they're, they're even wonderful. pressing the individual flowers oh, i've had fun with that you get me and going then, on flower and, and then, pressing and then <gasps> stringing them oh, you yeah. know so beautiful and there are so many different varieties of hydrangeas mm -hmm. it's a pretty easy one to start from cuttings if you have friends or neighbors that mm -hmm. have one that you really like yeah and um, they they're a beautiful perennial they can get kind of big but they're very generous and um and they're a great great flower for cutting and like just a few stems will give you a huge bouquet i just uh, took home probably five uh oak leaf hydrangea blooms mm -hmm. and hung to dry and i mean these things are huge they're the size of my head yeah or something. it's it's just so gorgeous and uh, you know i think too about um you know oftentimes in a bouquet you, there's the flowers but the filler stuff is is often is very important because it gives you that space in a bouquet and i have seen you use some of the most ingenious well, fillers this year herbal things things that i wouldn't have thought of using. Well, and you do the same thing i know <laughs> i'm like well, i would never have used that that's really cool i i love using herbs in yeah. my bouquets because I, they give a fragrance to the bouquet that uh, a lot of times flowers that i love um, and often ones that are very sturdy and last a while like things like dahlias they don't have a scent yeah. and so if you have things like a flowering oregano or mint or um, I use often little marjoram around the, the edges as like a short stem. Um, lavender is so fabulous in a bouquet when it's in season. Uh, lemon balm sometimes can be good. Those things like they give a little bit of fragrance. Did I see you using fennel? Am I just imagining that? Did I see someone else using fennel? I have used fennel. Oh. I have used fennel flowers and they're really beautiful well the, the foliage mm -hmm. the foliage, the foliage is gorgeous so it's, it can be a little floppy sometimes yes. you know what i used is a leaf celery um i've been i grow this new uh i'm growing some of it actually. yeah so yeah. it's this really cool like you're it's mainly you're mainly growing it for the leaves neat color but it does have a little tiny stalk it's a bright green yeah. and I was desperate one day for foliage for my bouquets and I just kept looking at it going, I'm just going to try that. And it's great. I mean, it does smell a little bit like celery, so I don't know if... if and then you can use it in a Bloody Mary <laughs> later. You know, I, I think about that sometimes with um, flower bouquets and I got it's hilarious. I remember years ago when we used to do the Cannon Beach Farmers Market and when the market first started, um, they didn't... They, they didn't allow flower growers. You couldn't sell cut flowers at the Cannon Beach Farmers Market the first year. And that was a big thing that we did was sell flower bouquets. I used to make these little jar bouquets. And, um, but you could only sell edible things. And so I started making edible flower bouquets. So everything in the bouquet was technically yeah. edible. And so I could still sell flower bouquets because you could just take it apart and eat it if you yep. wanted to. And that was my way around that yeah, crazy band, yeah, that which is. they got over and I'm really <laughs> glad about that. Um, but, but realizing how many flowers are edible, I, yeah. I learned a lot in that about like using different things that you know, technically are, are edible, but they also make great, you know, foliage or filler or, or stuff like that. For Can you talk about conditioning flowers oh, yeah. and foliage so a little? Conditioning is really important. And a lot of times what, what will happen, and I'm sure everyone's experienced this, you cut a flower, it looks beautiful in your garden. You cut a flower, you, you make a, a bouquet out of it, and the flowers just wilt and look terrible. And, um, and, and they don't come back and, you, and it's just, why did that happen? And sometimes there's, there's a lot of things that can happen. Sometimes flowers might look like they're totally mature and ready to cut, but they may not be fully hardened. And this is really true for things like zinnias or rudbeckia flowers or stuff like this. And I, I learned a trick where you take the stem and kind of shake it 
And if the flower head sort of flops from side to side, it's not quite ready to cut yet, even though it looks fully open and beautiful. And that was Jessica's dog, Tucker, just Sorry. sneezing on air. <laughs> just in case you know, that's not any of us. Um, anyway, uh, so, so if you, but if you shake the stem back and forth and it just moves stiffly, like the flower moves, like doesn't flop, sure. then it's ready to cut. That's so interesting. It was the wildest thing. But so that alone will make that flower not flop over. Um, oftentimes cutting things, like cutting them in the middle of the day, the hottest part of the day, not great. So this is good for us that, you know, there's mm -hmm. a lot of rules to remember around these things. So Early the in the morning. watering and harvesting yeah. can happen kind yeah. of at the same time. <laughs> yeah, you don't want the flowers to be wet. Um, end of day is a really great time or early in the morning. And you want to let the flowers rest in water because you're basically cutting it, you're, you're killing it. Yeah. Um, and the flower goes into a bit of shock and then it needs time to kind of get over that and then start to draw water up its stem. Clean containers are really, really important. Mm -hmm. You've got to wash out your containers. A little bit of bleach is great. Um, a tiny bit of bleach in the water of your flower bouquets. And when Teresa's talking about a tiny bit, I mean, just like drops. a drop, a yeah. drop, this not like a quarter cup. No, because you can definitely kill like it'd be way too much bleach. Yeah. But like a tiny drop of bleach in your water that you're making your um, bouquet in um, what it does is it cuts the bacteria in the water and so the bacteria in the water that forms you know when flower bouquets get really skanky yeah what that um, smell yeah that you so can when the water forget. gets murky um, it's, it's clogging the stems and so the stems can't draw water and so if you can keep the water clear and that can happen from a tiny bit of bleach in the water but also changing the water yeah. out yeah. Um, in your bouquets like every other day every day every other day mm -hmm. Um, that will also help longevity. But when you're when you're just cutting the flowers to then make a bouquet, giving them a little bit of time in the cool to rest and start drawing water, preferably overnight. Yeah. Um, and then make your bouquet the next day. I think a thing that I see often when people aren't used to making flowers is not stripping the foliage. Oh, yeah. The God, I'm so glad you yeah. said that. Yeah, you don't, anything that's in the water, you don't want leaves yeah. on it. So it's the cleaning all the foliage off below the water line. Um, and also like sometimes inside the flowers, because if there's too much foliage in the bouquet, it can kind of get dense and it doesn't breathe and yeah. that can get kind of moldy in there too. So, yeah. yeah, I mean, there's, some great books and resources and websites out there if you're you know, interested in cutting flower gardens. But I think that, you know, just, just wandering around and looking at what inspires you yes, and thinking that. about what are the flowers that you love? What do you like to, you know, do you want to make lots of bouquets? Do you want to have a little flower stand in front of your house? Do you want to just have enough to, to fill your house? Do you want to be able to give to friends? You know, what's your goal? Yeah. And then just think about, you know, what flowers do you like? You yeah, know, what ones speak to your heart? Because that, I mean, flowers are all about love and, and joy and beauty, and they should speak to your heart. And if you don't like a flower, don't grow it just because you think you should. Yeah, if it sparks joy, <laughs> color combos mm -hmm. that you love. Yeah. Um, often flowers can carry memories of Absolutely. people that we love or places that we yeah. love. And, and that can add a layer into a cutting garden. Absolutely. I think that's the best. I mean, that's what I love about growing flowers is the, the, the emotional relationship, the reasons that people are buying flowers or giving flowers. Yeah. It's so fun to, to be part of people's lives in so many different ways. Um, but even just for yourself, I mean, making a little bouquet and bringing it inside and putting it on your kitchen windowsill so that you get to look at it. Pulling out the, the 
glass and, and metal frogs from your grandmother and, and, and getting to arrange flowers with vases from, from people of your past. Yeah, that's a beautiful thing. And I think, you know, more flowers is not a bad thing. And don't be afraid to plant some lily bulbs and let yourself have some yeah you know some real fancy sparklers stuff, yeah. fancy stuff if you're doing it on you know yeah. in, in your home garden why not yeah also just as a side benefit growing lots of flowers great for pollinators yes and bees and anything that's good for pollinators it's good for me yeah yes <laughs> definitely i think uh i we've we've uh time has raced past <laughs> talking about flowers can make the time pass it fast. really does and thank you, we're uh, we're wrapping things up thank yeah. you i can always talk about flowers and i want to thank emily <laughs> so much for, I know. and the radio station for getting us a new recording device i know coast community radio is really kicking it up a notch and we will be posting photographs of this phenomenal um remote recording equipment that they've invested in thanks to uh is it radio what Radio for Good. Radio for Good. Thank you, Radio for Good, for helping the station um, step it up so we can do more remote recording and keep and thank, safe. And, yeah, and thank you guys for being out there and listening to us. And, yeah, being and, part of the community. Yeah. It's really important, and uh, we're so grateful. Thank you. Thank you.